Welcome back to another episode of the Macrumor Show. I am Dan. We have Hartley here as usual and a very special guest for the second time. We have Mr. Snazzy himself, Quinn Nelson. Uh, and so I'm actually going to stop talking and pass off the hosting duties to Hartley uh, due to the nature of this episode, which is, again, all about Vision Pro. Uh, but Hartley, I'm going to let you take it away. Okay, so... Uh, I have obviously not had a chance to try out Vision Pro, um, and I am very, very curious, um, particularly because I feel like people have had pretty varied experiences with the device so far. Um, I feel like there is not a general consensus about what people are taking away from this device. So um, obviously there was so much anticipation around it. So my first question would be, did it meet your expectations when you actually have had that thing in your own studio, in your own home? Um, how do you feel about it? Quinn, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> I would say yes and no. Uh, the displays are simultaneously even better than I expected, than the specs would suggest that they are. Uh, they are still, you know, the pixels per degree value is still in the mid-30s, and it's said that you need around 60 in order to reach true... A 2015 vision. I've done, not that I want to get super nerdy here, but I have a, an eye chart on my table <laughs> and oh, I have man. done a test of the headset <laughs> and uh, I was able to get about 2030 vision. So, okay, fine, good enough to drive, but not quite there. Um, with that said, the the brightness is unbelievable. These displays are crazy bright. And one of the things you'll note in most head-mounted displays is that the screens are just not that luminant. The, the displays themselves are, are quite luminous, but by the time that you go through multiple layers of optics, the, the nit value at the eye is quite low. Um, for example, like the big screen beyond, those displays are 1500 nits, but by the time it reaches your eyeballs, it's less than 100, really low. Now, when you're in a completely pitch black environment, it's okay, but you don't get the dynamic range of real life. And so I was simultaneously... Uh, kind of underwhelmed by the pass-through dynamic range. It's not great, but when you're watching like a movie or content, it's unbelievably bright to the point where it's oftentimes uncomfortable. Um, and that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm most excited about that. Um, I think the OS um, conceptually does what I expected it to do hand gestures are simultaneously better than I thought they would be. And, but, but also worse. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> Dan, I see you uh, nodding. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah. So the gestures, so I, I think I've said this in our first video, maybe, I don't know. The gestures were really good during yeah. the demo that I had, uh, in June, but also I wasn't really, I don't know if that I wasn't allowed, but they were like walking me through each and everything. So I wasn't going around going crazy trying to tap everything. Obviously, when you get that to your own house and do whatever you want, no one's holding your hand. You know, I'm trying to do things. I'm trying to move as fast as I normally would, and I don't think you can. Um, no. I've noticed that my eyes are moving too fast for my fingers, and so you got to not do that. You really That's need to look. Yeah, yep. yeah. you got to look and you got to tap. You can't wow, go look looking. and then move on. <laughs> Yeah, yep. while you're yep. still looking because your natural ability when you're typing and everything is to like 
okay, well, H is here, A is here, R is there, T is there. Like, and you're trying to move faster than what your fingers are doing, and you're oftentimes just misspelling things, and it's slowing you down. So that's not great. Um, and I've noticed that, uh, like, just in, in and swiping is weird. And, like, when I try to put my hands down and keep it down at my side and not be up like this, because you naturally will do this, even though you know that you can keep it down. You naturally want to do this. It's more fun to do this and keep your hands up in the air. But then my arm starts to get tired after a while because I just keep it up for no reason. And so, like, you want to bring it down and be more chill. And it's just hard to do that. Things will be moving. You'll be selecting things randomly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an amazing experience because eye tracking is really good, but it's also too good. And if you're not catching up with your fingers, you're, you're going to start doing things, um, the wrong way. There's also some things that are, I think, iOS interaction models that they've brought over that don't work particularly well. I think they don't even work particularly well on iOS. So an example of this is like text selection. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it is awful on the Vision Pro because eye tracking is amazing, as Dan has just said, but it's kind of iPad OS esque. And what I mean by that is, you know how on the iPad, when you have the cursor, it kind of like magnetizes to the nearest selectable element? Um, oddly, it doesn't really do that in Vision OS when you're using a cursor in Vision OS apps, but it does in iPad apps. Anyways, um, one of the things I've found to be frustrating is when you have larger selection targets, the eye tracking and finger gestures are amazing. As soon as you go towards more smaller, but also more numerous selectable targets, it gets really tricky. So one example is just like you would on iOS, when you have the cursor in a big block of text, you can look theoretically and then pinch, and the cursor should go in between the two words that you're looking at to either delete a word or insert, and it almost never works. Um, it either shoots too high or shoots too low or shoots one word over or in the middle of the word because you're looking at small text from far away, and the eye tracking is just not there. Now, there's a gesture where you can hold down, kind of like holding down on the space bar on the iPhone, and you can kind of scroll around like this, and that works okay, but even when you release the action of releasing your fingers is enough to kind of throw the cursor off a little bit. Yeah. And so I found dealing with text to be frankly nightmarish. Um, But the good thing is, is that's something that over time can, and I expect to improve, but it is odd that they've kind of brought the same. I mean, it's for familiarity. They brought the same modalities we have with iOS, but they haven't changed them enough for vision OS, I feel like. And because of that, they're kind of hampered. So that leads me to two questions. The first is, and I particularly would care about this as someone that is working with text all day, what is text sharpness like? Um, Because some people have said to me um, that it's fine and that it's certainly just as workable as any uh, sort of basic computer monitor. But other people have said to me, it's blurry, it's not quite there, and it's just not a, a pleasant experience. Um, for reading text. And the second question, which you've kind of answered, um, but I just want to be really clear about this is, is there anything really that you feel you can do in terms of productivity that is actually faster on the Vision Pro than on anything else? Or is it, as you're saying, just a slower experience and you feel yourself kind of having to pull back? Um, because I'm trying to get into the productivity element of this because we, I think we all get the picture with movies and you know fun experiences, but this is the, this is the real stuff that particularly um, I care about in terms of this device. 
Um, I'll just be quick. I have not tried it to a full extent of like trying to be productive and work with a magic keyboard and magic trackpad, which I'll get into the whole, why can't we do a magic mouse thing later, but the magic trackpad will work. And uh, yeah, so I haven't done that and hooked it up to the Vision Pro itself, but I have done connecting it to a Mac. Yes, you can be very productive that way. Um, you can be as productive as you ever wanted to be on your Mac. Um, using the Vision Pro. I have noticed that text specifically in that mode. Uh, weirdly, the closer I bring it to me, the better. Um, which isn't, I mean, it's not weird. That makes sense. But like, you would think like, you don't want this giant screen to be super close, but that's where it's like at its sharp, you know, crispiness text level that I've noticed. Uh, but also then, you know, you got a lot of stuff that you kind of have to move your head around for. Um, I don't, it, it's it's just depends on where you have it situated if the foveated rendering catches up quickly enough to when you're trying to look around at certain aspects of your screen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed that the text has been fine for me for the most part. And can you be productive? I mean, yeah, I just, I need to try it more. Um, you definitely can't be productive trying to gesture around. I, I just can't. Uh, you're going to need a keyboard and you're going to need some sort of trackpad to help you get around uh, the OS fast enough. But yeah, I mean, it's possible. You just got to play with it for sure. I mostly agree. So I have 2015 vision for reference. So it's, it's very good. Um, better than, you know, theoretically what they call perfect vision. So um, I'm particularly susceptible to what would be perceived as pixelation or blurriness. Um, I agree with Dan, the closer you bring the text, the, the better it looks. Um, by default, the scaling inside the OS is set to large. So there's four settings. Mm -hmm. There's small, medium, large, extra large. I find large is actually the most comfortable, and that's probably why it's the default, but it is quite literally large. Um, the, the text is pretty large in size. It's, it's not like we're dealing with 10 or 12-point font. Um, if you push text far away from you, it's still readable, but you know how um, on lower resolution displays, like take a 1440p display, you've got anti-aliasing around the letters to make it, you know, look like it retains the actual shape and you don't have jagged edges. You get the same exact effect in Vision Pro. And so I think that when you have a window, you know, the equivalent of three or four feet out as, and the Vision Pro, interestingly, has a limit. It'll only let you push stuff about probably in the real world, like eight to 10 feet away. As, as you push stuff that far out, I do notice that the text is pretty pixelated. It's certainly readable. You can, you can work with it. It's like, I think, working with a 27-inch 1440p monitor from you know, a couple feet away. It's not bad, but it's certainly not you know, retina. Um, and I think marketing the displays as retina displays is slightly disingenuous, if only because you can see, at least I can see, um, pixelation in the text. But it's certainly better than any other head-mounted display I've tried. I mean, you, you take like the Quest 3, which is fairly high resolution, um, at least in the consumer space. There's some crazy stuff out there in the pro space. But in the consumer space, the Quest 3 has, up until the Vision Pro, been one of the highest resolution headsets available. It's no contest. Even at yeah. a couple feet away, within 30 to 45 minutes of, of working on the Quest, I start to get eye fatigue. That doesn't happen on the Vision Pro, which is a really big endorsement. It's very, very, very sharp. However, um, I have found similar to Dan that I'm finding 
and this is one of the reasons why I've yet to publish a review, and I probably won't, is for a while anyway, is I want to be sure about the use case before I make a video on it. Because right now I've been finding excuses to use it. It's new, it's exciting. I'll put it on because I want to put it on. But there have been a couple instances where I've needed to do some work on my Mac and I'm like, I'm not putting the headset on because <laughs> no. it's just easier to do it on the Mac. And frankly, the text is sharper because I'm on a 5K display a foot and a half away rather than 4K displays with magnifying glasses where the text is much less sharp. And uh, that's where I'm start starting to get a little worried is I think the entertainment aspects are amazing. I think the productivity aspects can be good when you don't have a better option. So on an airplane or if I'm going on a trip, I probably won't take my laptop and I probably won't bring my iPad anymore either. I'll just bring the Vision Pro and that's a more powerful iPad in my mind because you can run iPad apps simultaneously, but it's not quite as powerful as a Mac, but it does enough that it's, it's okay. But if I needed to do quote unquote real work, um, I think I would likely find myself with just my Mac still. And that's where I think they're going to run into potential issues with this thing is it's, it's not trying to be a desktop, which is good. I don't think that's what it should try to be, but it's also not really trying to not be an iPad. So think to yourself, whatever I do on my iPad, that's what you're going to do on your vision pro <laughs> basically just simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, uh, you pretty much took what I was going to say, like 100%. I fear that this is going to just be a very fancy face iPad for me. <laughs> like, I don't know that I'm ever going to, like you said, be like, oh, I, I should knock these videos out. I'm going to strap this onto my face and sit here for three hours. It's just not going to happen. Obviously, everybody talks about putting this on an airplane. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it is. It's going to be amazing. I have no doubt. We've seen people do it already. They said it is incredible. It's going to be the thing that replaces my iPad uh, uh, for those specific scenarios, for sure. Um, and, you know, maybe the setup is bring the Vision Pro and a Magic Keyboard and trackpad or bring your laptop if you still need to do, like, quote unquote, real work when you get to where you need to be. Um, and then you can just pop that open and use that on the plane as your keyboard and trackpad with your Vision Pro and get stuff done there. Um, but, yeah, I just think that's... That's where we're headed right now, which is fine. Like, I don't think it needs to be something that replaces another device or like is something that we use all the time. Uh, because I'm sure one of your questions, Hartley, is like the comfort and stuff. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's not that comfortable after long periods of time. You do definitely get used to it. But when you take it off, your face has that oh, sweet feeling of relief afterwards, or at least for me. I don't know about you, Quinn. Yeah. Some people are yoked and it doesn't bother them. I, yeah. I'm i not as bothered by the weight as I suspected I might be, but that's also because I'm reframing this as a, uh, as a more traditional VR headset. So if you compare it to the Valve Index, if you compare it to the Quest 3, <clears throat> it's not that much heavier, but it is heavy. I've been using mm -hmm. the big screen beyond for Steam VR and that thing, you truly put it on and you forget it's there. And that is what I think the end game is for Apple Vision Pro. It's what it has to be before it has mass market adoption. Because if it's ever uncomfortable, people will never gravitate towards it over their phone or their iPad or their laptop for people that aren't enthusiasts like we are that want to be on the cutting edge. Right. The other thing I'll say regarding comfort, and this is just, this is all 
comfort is subjective. And so it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. I have quite a large nasal bridge. And so the headset rests right on my nose here. And um, it's heavy to the point where after watching like a movie, so a couple hours, two or three hours wearing it, um, I pull it off. And not only do I have huge red spots in addition to kind of the face shield, but I have pain. <laughs> like yeah. it hurts bad right there because there's been, you know, two pounds squeezing on my nose for multiple hours. So when I'm in the mode, when I'm in the zone, I, I don't ever forget it's there, but it's fine. Uh, and then as soon as I take it off, I go, holy crap, that is not comfortable. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I get the same red marks. I also have like, you know, skin condition. So any, you know, any heat applied to that just like makes my, so people probably see in videos, like what's wrong with the skin? Like my here and here, it just happens to be in that spot. It gets flared up. So it'll get super dry, super red. And well, it'll, almost. that what's that? Oh, I was, I was going to say, we'll see in addition to that, what happens to people that don't wash their, their facial interfaces over time. Cause that's mm -hmm. a huge thing with VR. People will sweat in them and then they don't wash them and you get like, you can oh, yeah. acneic kind of stuff. And it's, it gets, it's nasty. <laughs> I've already brought, I soaked into this yeah. pad. <laughs> I already bought a replacement, uh, mm -hmm. uh, cushion simply because one, I, uh, you know, people want to try it and I've been thinking about like, I've been wiping it down, but like, it's kind of nasty after yeah. people are using, you know, this is kind of gross. So I've been wiping it down and then I'm like, this is going to get gross in general in the future and it's $30. So it's like kind of, if you have to do that once every few months, that's not that big of a deal. I'd be willing to do that just to keep that thing, you know, fresh. Um, so yeah, that, and then I also have a, uh, on my left nostril here, a deviated septum. So when it's squeezing that hard, I kind of can't breathe. Like I have to mouth breathe. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I kind of have to keep my mouth open so that I can breathe a little bit better. Uh, so that's just something that people need to keep in mind, but like, it's not keeping me, you know, I'm also keeping my mouth open because I'm amazed generally by the content that I'm watching at times. So I'm just like, this is nice. Also, I can't breathe. Um, so yeah. So two headbands in the box, um, which headband did you both reach for? I mean, I'm guessing like most people, you probably tried the, uh, the solo knit band to start and then probably transitioned to the dual loop band. But I just want to be clear. Was that both of your experiences? Uh, yes, but I still kind of like the single loop band. I have been wearing that over the other one. And I don't know why, because it provides the most discomfort, but it's the most comfortable. That doesn't make any sense, but it is. It just is. It's the most convenient. It's the cooler one. It is the one that provides a better fit and form to my face, I feel like. So I go to that one because I feel like it, everything just looks better when I wear that compared to the, the straps. I'm not getting quite the same fit, but that one is way more comfortable for long periods of time. So I don't know. I think I'm crazy. No, I agree with you. The solo, the solo I've been using um, in shorter bursts, but I also find that... Um, in addition to not messing up your hair, which is a real thing. Mm -hmm. I made a comment about this and people are like, oh, who cares about that? I'm like, a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> I think I today. I was using it this morning I, and I'm like, I owe an apology to, uh, I owe an apology to The Verge because when they first put out the review and 
he kept talking about how uh you know his hair was he mentioned it like four times in in about three minutes and i'm like who cares about your hair like move on it is a real deal it does mess it, up your hair it messes up your hair really bad even the solo yeah. loop does a little bit like i have i have a part over like down the middle and it'll push my hair like the headband mm-hmm. going back on either one pushes it up and to the point where i'm like it's very one-sided and i push down and it doesn't work anyway so to, beyond having to discover a new hairstyle uh I find the solo loop in general actually to be um, more comfortable if you're doing it for a shorter period of time. Once you have it on for a longer period of time, the way that it stays on obviously is by applying a bunch of pressure to that facial interface. And so it's just squeezing your face. And so over time that can get a little fatiguing. And I find that the top strap lessens the load on your actual eyes. It almost kind of sits on your face rather than pulls against your face. Um, The difference on that one is that I find a little bit of top discomfort. The top of my head is kind of tender and there's so much downward force on it that I kind of find that one uncomfortable too. So I've actually been switching back and forth. And when one gets uncomfortable and I want to keep using it, which is not very often, I'm normally only using it an hour or so at a time, I'll swap the band out and it's good for another 30 minutes to an hour before it starts to hurt again. <laughs> it's swap, yeah. a swap out. Yeah. Shout out to the person, I think it was on Reddit, that took a solo loop band and another solo band, zip tied it together. And so now you have the top is a solo band you could tighten. I really want to spend $200 and buy another one and try that. I that made sounds... fun of them, but I would be interested to try that. Is I that, would be. I band? I really want to try it. I bet you it's the. I bet you that's the key right there. Is that two hundred bucks? I thought it was a hundred. Uh, maybe it. I, maybe it is, but I thought it was two hundred. It might. No, it might be. Uh, I could be wrong. In any I case, could be very wrong. It's not a yeah. good value, but if it's two hundred, no. that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so willing you... to do it at a hundred, though. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that most people will swap between the bands, or do you think they'll kind of settle into a into one? over time um because i don't know how much of a hassle it is to actually change that band out compared to something like an apple watch band it's way easier actually here i can mm-hmm. show you it's so nice so yeah. and that's that's the one thing i will say is super well designed um so it's got the orange tab i mean everyone knows how it works but i'll just show you how easily it comes off so you've got your orange tab here and you just pull might need, might pull, need to move it over a little on. bit more oh yeah yeah there you go stupid hold on hold on i'll turn off this uh there we go oh yeah you're you're boxed fake fake depth of field (laughs) yeah and then to turn it back on oh it went back on again to push it back on you just click click and it's on so it's really easy to swap out and so that's why i have been swapping it out because it's just so simple and i think that's probably by design i think they were aware that they didn't have one solution that was going to work for everybody and maybe work for everybody all the time. And so making it hot swappable so easily is, is quite nice. And they're, they're both pretty easy to orient. I do find myself sometimes putting the solo loop on backwards because the only thing that denotes the correct orientation is the, the little knob on the outside. So this, and then there's also an M on the opposite side, but it's upside down. So the, M goes on the left side, and every time I'm like, the M's yeah. upside down, and then I flip it out. I'm like, now nah, the M's on the outside. And <laughs> somebody so. called me out, so that's how I knew. They're like, no, that knob needs to be on the other side of the battery, and I'm like, that makes sense because it's kind uh, of in the way. 
Yep. So yeah, you want it on the right side of your head. I, I right. didn't know that because I'm like, how am I supposed to, I'm not, I didn't even see the sizing uh, thing there and mine's an S. So it would kind of look the same, no matter which way for the most yeah, part. W, w is for Wumbo. Uh, <laughs> I thought W was wide. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, actually that is, oh no, yeah. because on that strap, there's just small, medium, large, I think. So yeah, there is a like yeah. a number and then a wide like yeah. or or just a W. I'm guessing is for wide. What um, are you, by the way? Uh, I want to say 21 wide. Yeah, so am I. I feel like almost everybody's a 21 wide. But I'm a small though, which is surprising because I thought my head was kind of big. I I because I scanned twice and it gave me a medium, so I did do the full demo and asked for you know different sizes to try it out, and they were like, "No, the small seems to look best oh, and, and work best for you." Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I have a decent size head and I'm medium too. So I don't know. Maybe I should have swapped it. They asked me at the store and they're like, does this feel good? And I'm like, for how heavy it is? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't have the option to play around with a bunch of sizes. Maybe I should have. Hartley, let me ask you something. You got to think that there's going to be like a bunch of third-party manufacturers coming yes. out with with something something crazy that would make it comfortable, right? There's got to be something. Well, we we saw some some sort of early plans from manufacturers that were trying to jump on this right after the announcement. Um, but what we'll actually end up seeing, I don't know. They, those options mainly seem to be copies of the existing uh, solo knit band style, but made out of things like leather and uh, yeah. sort of uh, pricing them up a little bit. Um, I don't know how much of a market there will actually be for that in reality. Um, mm -hmm. because if you think of something like uh, the AirPods Max ear cups, theoretically, you, shouldn't, you can throw on uh, third-party leather ones or um, foam ones or, or whatever it may be, but realistically, there's remarkably few of those options available. I'm actually not aware of seeing any. Maybe there are some third-party spares I that haven't imitate seen the anything. originals, but they're not, they're not a popular thing like yeah. um, AirPods... Uh, ear tips are where you can get a bunch of third-party ones so i think it's yet to be seen whether they will really take off i'm sure some manufacturers will try um yeah but i wonder if based on your experiences with them what would you want to see from a third-party band do you think there is there is something that apple should be providing or is there something that a third party should really jump on in terms of design i mean i suppose the obvious thing would be something that's maybe counterbalanced but then you're adding even more weight onto the top yeah. of your head Quinn, I'll let you, you got some stuff in your hands. So I'll let you go. <laughs> Sounds like you're prepared. Yeah, I have some, some hands-on uh, <laughs> demonstrations here. So I, I just grabbed three of my VR headsets. I'm a weirdo. I've got like eight of them. Um, this is one of the older ones. So this is the Valve Index. The Valve Index is very heavy. Um, it's actually about 100 grams heavier than the Apple Vision Pro. So it's a beefy boy. Part of that, though, is the weight in this rigid band. So they've got these kind of ear speakers here. They've got this plastic band. There's a knob <laughs> at the back to help, you know, tighten it against the back of your head. Yeah. And then there is this kind of soft top strap that kind of helps support the weight, you know, to the contour of your head. I find that rigid straps are almost always the way to go. I'm kind of surprised that Apple didn't provide one. My one suspicion would be they couldn't make one look cool and or they couldn't make it portable enough because they want, mm -hmm. granted, it could fit in this enormous case. But um, you look at like one of the most popular options for the Oculus Quest is this Bobo VR strap. So Oculus uh, Meta makes one too. 
their strap is about a hundred dollars on top of the headset, right? So these are all premium straps that are offered by the manufacturers. I didn't buy the Oculus one because I don't find it very good, but this one from Bobo VR is awesome because you can tilt the back of your kind of it kind of cradles the back of your head crown and you can adjust where that is. And then there's a tightness stiffener here too, to actually tighten it against your head. This material is pliable. So it conforms to the back of your dome. And then this one has, and this is a really brilliant design, these kind of wishbones that are padded with super, super nice padding that kind of rest on the top of your head to help support that weight. The end result is that many of these headsets, um, gently, just barely gently tap your face. Um, there's just enough contact to create a light seal. But other than that, there is no forward pressure on your eyes. And what I find is that this reduces much of the fatigue associated with wearing a headset because it feels like, ironically, something that I find not that comfortable, but many people do, the AirPods Max, right? Mm -hmm. Or any pair of over-ear headphones. It, it puts the weight on the top of your head rather than strapping it to the front of your face. And the one kind of example I'll give that shows how this is the right move to do it is by showing you this. This, and I will compare it with the Apple Vision Pro so you can get a size comparison. So here's the Vision Pro. This is the big screen beyond. I mean, there is no comparison. This thing is tiny. It weighs nothing. And part of the reason is because there's nothing really in here. Um, this works with Steam VR. So there's a okay. really kind of crappy little pass-through camera. There's a bunch of sensors that uh, work with the Steam VR Lighthouse system, but that's it. There's no battery. There's no SOC. This is needs to be that tethered to a PC. Um, and it has my facial interface on there. It's even thinner if you take that off. Oh, wow. Um, but this this thing is to the point of, I think, maybe being stupid, trying to save weight at all costs. To illustrate how big of an effort they go to, um, inside the Vision Pro, you know how when you set it up, there's that you hold the crown down and it uses a motor to move the eyepieces into position? That mm -hmm. adjusts for your interpupillary distance. Um, on some headsets like the Quest 3, it's a manual knob that you spin. Um, this does not have one, not because they've decided to forgo it. Interpupillary distance is super important, but because if I hold this close, you'll see that it says 63. This is a fixed width to my eyes. So they scanned this headset to my face and they physically affixed these in place because they wanted to get rid of the gear mechanisms required to move these lenses forwards and backwards. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that they've done to save weight at all costs. And the end result is something that weighs nothing, basically. The, this thing weighs, I think, 130 grams, and the Vision Pro is 600. So this thing truly, you put it on your face and you forget it's there. However, they made this. And it's not quite out yet, but this makes this very slender, very light headset not so slender and not so light anymore. But the reason they did it is because of comfort. <laughs> you need to support the weight of the headset um, on the back of your head and on the top of your head. This does it in a, a really unique design that I actually find quite comfortable for my head shape. I can see how for someone else it might not be. It kind of tries to take the wishbone design of this 
And rather than push that weight forward, it pushes all of the weight back. And luckily this headset on the front is so light that you don't need any support up here, but it's the same deal. There's a little knob on the back that twists in. They have these little tiny cost speakers that are like Porta Pro speakers. It's USB plugs in right there. And um, there you go. That's the headset. And this head strap like almost triples the weight of the headset. This headband weighs more than the headset itself, but oh, they're doing it because of comfort and because- Is it really comfortable? It's really, really comfortable to the point where, and I'm not, this is not BS. Part of the other thing they do is, and then I'll shut up about this. They custom mill your facial interface. So they do the same thing Apple does. They, they do a face ID scan, but they'll actually then mill a piece of silicone down to directly conform to your face. So I look like I'm about ready to rob a bank, but this fits my eyeballs and my face perfectly. Um, and the end result is that I can wear this for hours. And this is the first VR headset I've ever worn that I truly, and this is not like, I'm not just BSing. I forget it's on my face. It disappears. Um, and I think this is the end game for Apple eventually. This is the end game for everyone. And one mm -hmm. of the reasons these guys are able to do it is because they don't have to put anything in the front of the headset, unlike Apple, which is putting everything up there. And it's way more powerful than this thing could ever dream of being by itself. However, um, I think that even with this super light form factor, they've realized that they need a rigid strap option because it's just the most comfortable. And that's what basically everybody has done. I'm surprised Apple didn't do it themselves. And I said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to reserve my thoughts until I get it. Um, but even the, the Valve Index, which is 150 grams heavier, it's a very heavy VR headset. I find this leagues, leagues more comfortable than the Apple Vision Pro. It's not even close. And it's because there's more weight supported on a rigid frame structure and more of it is on the back and on the top of your head. And I think that if Apple doesn't make one themselves, there is going to be huge opportunity for the third-party market to make really good straps. Like maybe these guys, Bobo VR, who um, are known for making really, really good straps for most of the popular headsets, but mostly for the Quest line. And um, they even do, a lot of people talk about counterweight. Um, I kind of find that's bupkiss. Um, you mostly just want support on the top and on the back of your head. So they do offer, I have it, is you'll see there's two magnets here and then a bunch of pogo pins. They have a battery that you can smack onto the back to extend the battery life of the Quest 3, which is not very good. It's about the same as the Vision Pro. <laughs> um, but the other thing it does is it adds more weight back here. And a lot of people have been super, the reason that people are like, oh, the Vision Pro is uncomfortable is because they think it's front heavy. I don't think that's the problem. I just think that the weight is poorly supported and distributed. Adding more weight is not the fix. I think having an external battery pack was a smart move. Don't put it on the back of your head. Get rid of it. Just better support that weight on the front. And now I will shut up. <laughs> I just haven't been no. able to talk about it. <laughs> it no, that's all good insight because like, are like, this is the problem, you know? <laughs> right. And that's what we don't want to do. And I'll definitely say that I probably found myself saying like, oh, well, if only they did this. But, you know, my experience with VR headsets is super minimal compared to what you've got going on there so that's super interesting for everybody um that was listening there so also real quick before harley asks another question real quick it's 99 dollars for the solo band i looked it up so i don't want to be super wrong so that's that's not that's not bad i might actually i might actually look into it for the time being and zip tie I mean, it to my head yeah yeah so uh just going back to what you said a moment ago quinn i think it is worth 
mentioning at least, or it's it's my theory um, that Apple is going to quite aggressively or at least decisively move in the direction of greater factory customization with the second generation of this product. Because what we have heard they are explore, exploring with the supply chain at the moment is um, installing the prescription lenses at the factory. Um, and to me, that would indicate that if they can do that, they are going to um, really try to provide a, a deeper level of customization with the second generation of this product. Um, and I understand perhaps why they haven't done that initially, because already it has been pretty chaotic for them to be dealing with this number of light seals. And um, I mean, just think of the number of things that come in the box. Um, so I really think that they perhaps have seen this first generation as a way to test that infrastructure, to test Apple Store's capability with fitting and stocking these components. Um, but then going forward, um, and also the other key point, I think, is they do just want it to look cool. Um, and I think yeah, that's yeah. maybe why they haven't given it that rigid headband. But it wouldn't surprise me if maybe if we're not expecting the second generation Vision Pro to arrive until 2027, maybe uh, two years from now, um, or a year and a half from now, we will get a rigid headband because Apple will kind of be over that that first little hurdle of just getting people used to seeing this thing out in the wild. And then we can have the slightly uglier but more practical headband. And then going into a second generation, um, maybe that is when that will perhaps be a little bit more the default. A little bit like with the Apple Watch, where initially the emphasis was so much on fashion. I, I, I mean, granted, I don't think this was so intentional, but the emphasis was on normalizing um, smartwatch usage. Um, but very quickly with the, even I believe as early as the series uh, two, it moved quite aggressively into fitness um, and the kind of the whole personalization angle and the normalizing, seeing that thing out and about. Um, although granted, as I say, it does obviously look a lot more normal than a headset. Um, that was done by the yeah. time the, the first generation had done its work. So I think it is a, a really interesting point. Um, but kind of coming back on topic, um, I would like to talk about those rival headsets for a moment in terms of, obviously, there's such a big price difference here between what the likes of Meta is offering. So what is Apple specifically doing differently? Um, and, you know, we all get that Apple's fit and finish is better. We get that there is uh, the ecosystem advantage. But in terms of the actual hardware and experience, what really strikes you as the differences between using a, a Meta headset and using Vision Pro? Sure. Um, what you'll see a ton on from the hot takey Twitter people um, and, you know, just like Apple haters will be, is the Vision Pro really seven times better than the MetaQuest 3? Because the MetaQuest 3 is only $3,500. Um, no, if, if you look at the hardware, they're not hyper different in concept. Now, Apple's displays are way better. Apple's silicon is way better than the Snapdragon chip that's inside the Quest 3. Um, Apple's you know, fit and finish, as you've mentioned, is obviously better. Um, I think the pass-through quality is actually more similar than people would like to admit. Um, that's been my biggest disappointment with the Vision Pro. Uh, I thought the pass-through would be amazing, and it's just fine. It's, it's good but it's not so much better than the Quest 3 that I'm blown away. What it does do quite well is distortion correction, which is cool. The Quest 3, anybody knows that if you bring an object close to you, you're like, whoa. Um, and the, the, the Vision Pro does a pretty good job of that. It also does uh, distortion correction for, um, for maintaining object like integrity. So if you look at um, your computer monitor at an angle from 
inside the Vision Pro, the windows have all been distortion corrected to be straight. And if you look at it in the Quest 3, you kind of have a fisheye effect where everything's slightly curved. Um, but right now, I think the major difference, if, if this is maybe not too crazy to say, comes down to what the application is that you have for the headset. Um, if you would like to play video games, the Apple Vision Pro right now is a horrible buy. Um, and I think it will actually, this is my, this might be the hottest take I've had on the headset yet. I think that until this implements physical controllers, which might never happen, this is always going to be horrible for gaming. Um, unless you're talking about putting up a 2D regular console game on a big screen in front of you and playing with an Xbox controller. This does that quite mm -hmm. well. But that's not what is compelling about virtual reality gaming. So if, if you want VR style gaming, the Quest 3 is by far the better option. If you want productivity, right now the better option is by far the Vision Pro. And it's not because the hardware or even the software modalities are that different from one another. Um, people, you know, and I feel bad a little bit for Meta, not really, because, you know, Zuck owns it, but... Um, <laughs> People have been, you know, praising Apple's in incredibly intuitive, like, oh, you just pinch to select. Who would have thought of that? Meta. Meta, they've had that same interaction for five years. Pinch to select came out on the Quest before the Vision Pro even existed. Um, but their implementation of it is so crappy by comparison <laughs> that the Meta headsets are not good for doing real work. You can just like you can game on this, but it's not going to be the ideal experience. So the question becomes, is Apple going to push into the gaming space or is Meta going to come into the productivity space? And I think that the jury's still out on that one. Um, I think that Apple's perception of what this is supposed to be is a lot different from anybody else. And if it works out, then they're going to be the winner. But if it ends up being that that's not really the case, I do think that... Um, Meta in particular is hellbent on providing good spatial computing experiences. And I wouldn't be surprised that if in two or three years, the quote unquote experience you can get inside a Quest 4 or a Quest 5 is pretty close to what you might be able to get into, you know, with the Vision Pro. The difference being the ecosystem and the apps and the stuff that Apple has always had an advantage over. That this might end up being the Android of the VR space and this might end up being the iPhone. And those coexist fine. And I think that yeah, it's very possible fine. that in the future, both will be a valid option. If you're more heavy on gaming and customization, this might be the way to go. If you're more you know, focused on productivity and integration, then this will be the way to go. And everyone just, everyone can win. There doesn't have to be a winner or a loser, I don't think. Do you you're 100% correct you're... too, because, uh... You know, Zuckerberg even came out and said that he would like to be the Android of the headset space. Of course he would. <laughs> I know. Why <laughs> wouldn't you be? Good. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, Android, you know, whoever, who, depending on who you're talking to, is doing just fine. And yeah. they have plenty of sales. And there's plenty of people that prefer that over an iPhone. And so there's going to be millions and millions and millions and millions of headsets sold if that ever gets to that, you know, scale. So they'll be fine. And if you're, if you're a fan of, if you're an enthusiast of head-mounted displays, if you think this stuff is cool and then it's the future, every single, this is a win, no matter what you think of it. 
it benefits everyone and vice versa. And the Quest 4 mm -hmm. will benefit the next Apple Vision. And um, it's just, competition is good, turns out. And yeah. um, it's it's cool to have multiple companies that are trying to push into um, this, this area. And where I think that um, Meta is also a little bit underestimated is that they're just trying to eat up the low end. Um, I do think that they have some pretty amazing stuff that they've shown as prototypes that are issues that I still have on this headset. So one example I'll give you is um, verifocal lenses. Your eyeballs are not cameras, right? <laughs> they, they move, they pitch inward and outward. If you hold your finger and look at it in front of you, your eyes tilt inwards. And if you're focused on something over there, they twist out and then they're cones. So the cones change, you have muscles that change the shape of the eyes to adjust focus. Um, VR headsets put something millimeters away from your eyeballs. And so they have to trick your brain and your eyes into thinking that you are looking at something at a distance. And, and it actually works pretty well. One of the reasons why you get a prescription for the Apple Vision Pro um, for your regular kind of eyeglasses prescription is because it has tricked your brain into thinking that you're looking at something 10 feet away, um, which is pretty cool for literally being this close to something. Um, on the other hand, because it is a fixed focal plane, and you can try this in any VR headset, including the Apple Vision Pro, when you're in pass-through, grab an object or just use your hand and bring it close to your eyes. Once you get about four or five inches away, you can't see it anymore. It gets blurry. That doesn't happen in real life. If you take your hand right now and you bring it closer, it'll stay in focus until you lose that focus plane, which for most people is like one to two inches away from your eyeballs. That doesn't happen in VR because the display's not moving. Your eyes are being tricked into keeping stuff in focus or not in focus. So they are modifying focus based on eye tracking and based on software of what is supposed to be in focus or what isn't in focus. If you look at your monitor right now and you have a wall behind you, your monitor is going to be sharp and the stuff behind you is going to be blurry. In virtual reality, almost everything is like F16 to use camera trims. It's all in focus because <laughs> it's very times. difficult to simulate, yeah, where stuff is. Now, the Apple Vision system is pretty cool because they actually do do slight blurring in the background to give you perceived depth, but that's all fake. None of that is real. That's not your eyeballs doing anything. Um, and so the example that I'll give is in the Apple Vision, um, as you bring something close, you actually can continue to focus on it. But if you look at what your, if you think about what your eyeballs are doing, it's pretty freaky because your eyeballs are actually focusing on the background to see the foreground. So as you bring this closer, your eyeballs are actually focusing to infinity to see this in focus because your eyeballs by their very nature will naturally try to curve in and they put the whole thing out of focus. And you're like, what in the hell? And it's bizarre to think about because your yeah. brain, you're not thinking about what your eyes are doing. But in order to make this in focus, you have to look to infinity. And the consequence of that is severe eye strain because your eyeballs are not doing what they're supposed to do. And the receptors that tell your brain what you're looking at are all skawampus. That's why people get fatigue. That's why people get headaches in VR. And I think the Apple Vision Pro does a pretty good job at fixing some of those, if only by resolution and by that kind of smart background blurring. But there's still a lot of that stuff that still exists. If you're if you're focusing on text that's a foot away from you in one of those iPad screens, you'll notice after about 10 minutes that you're like, actually, my eyes kind of hurt. 
<laughs> yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff that Meta's been doing, in addition to Apple, everyone's doing it, to develop new methods to say, hey, well, why don't we actually physically move the display closer and further away so that we don't have to simulate, you know, artificial bokeh it can be real and your eyeballs can do what they're supposed to do. And I think that as everyone makes generational improvements, this stuff is going to become so much better over time. And that's why I'm trying to reserve being critical on this first generation headset because this is, and I think the price speaks for itself. This is not for most people. If you, if you don't have one already, Apple's not trying to sell you one. They're selling you on the idea. They're advertising it. They want people to buy it, but they're not naive enough to think that this is going to work for everyone. The idea is that they want to plant the seed in your head of this is cool. This is the future. And you're going to want this eventually. And I think in five or 10 years when the tech is there, a lot of people will have them and we won't have batteries in our pockets. And we're, we're just going to have, you know, slender looking goggles that we wear part of the day. Um, and maybe even sometimes when we walk out and about, I'm still not sure on that one because you look like an idiot, but um, <laughs> that's kind of hey. the goal. And I think it's weird to see from Apple because Apple traditionally hasn't released stuff until it's ready for mass market adoption. And this is not that. And so that's why everyone's like, well, what the heck? Why would I want that? And it's okay to not want it now, but they want you to want it in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. Dan and I had a bit of a wobble about uh, eyesight oh, when wobbly. the first reviews came out. <laughs> we were, well, I think, you know, we were not, we were not, we were a little bit disappointed, obviously, with what some uh -huh. of the reviews were saying and some of the pictures that were coming out. Mm -hmm. um, but now you've both had some time with it. Is, was it actually quite as bad as those initial reviews said? <laughs> Everybody looks like sloth from sure, Ice Age. You know? Everyone looks like sloth from Ice Age. Your eyes drooping down in one instance. In some, you can't even see the eyes. It's it's the first feature that's going to go for at least the uh, cheaper model for sure. It has to be right. There's no reason for it. I don't. I mean, know. I get the so, reason behind it, but I was with you, Dan. As the time has gone on. I've softened to eyesight a little bit. Now, they do need to make some major tweaks to the hardware and the software. One example that's kind of cool, but it's also kind of not cool, is it responds to ambient lighting conditions, right? So it's already too dim. When you walk into a slightly darker room, like I came into the room last night, my wife had the lights at like 30%. So it wasn't dark, but it wasn't bright. And I was like, can you see my eyes? And she's like, not even a little bit. <laughs> and it wasn't until we turned the lighting in the room up to like, 70 or 80 percent that she said they were visible and she was like but they're still dim and then we turn the lights to 100 percent, and she's like okay now it's all the way on but i still wouldn't really notice unless i was looking for it so it's too it's too dim um but i understand the idea of it and mm -hmm. as i've been wearing it here at work my cinematographer benjamin has been coming in and he'll ask me questions and i tried to do work in the the MetaQuest 3 for like a week. And at first he was like, this is stupid. You look ridiculous. This is going to go. And I thought the same. And over time, he's like, you know what? It does kind of work in the sense that I kind of feel like I'm talking to a real person rather than someone that's not paying attention to me at all. And I think that as we move towards adoption of this technology, they need to do, it's creepy. It's uncanny valley, but it is really cool and they need to do what kind of Google Glass and other incumbents couldn't, which was make it so that it doesn't feel like you're completely isolated because you are. This is an isolating device. You're, you've got some freaking computer strapped on your face, right? And so anything they can do 
to convince other people that you're actually still around, I think is pretty important. And at first I thought, oh yeah, they're for sure going to ditch this on the cheaper headset because it's expensive. It's heavy. It doesn't really work that well. I wouldn't be surprised if it makes a return, but slightly modified. Maybe they get rid of the lenticular display. Maybe it doesn't need to be as like 3D-esque. Maybe, hell, why, did, why does it need to be you? Couldn't they use some Animoji or some, just something to kind of say, hey, I'm a real person and I'm looking at you and I'm blinking at you because I'm real. Um, I think it makes a bigger difference than people are giving it credit for. But this first implementation is not very good. <laughs> yeah. Like I get the point. Like you said, it's just bad right now. It, it just needs some work. Um, I don't know that it will make it in the next, if it does in the cheaper version. I, I do hope it does. Like I hope they yeah. can figure out a way to make it's it cool. cheaper without making it look cheaper because yeah, it does look cool. And when you do actually see someone's eyes, you're like, Oh, okay. And like you said, it does kind of like, make it seem like I'm actually having a conversation with the person. And plus I've noticed that everyone that I've like let try the device, they're all like, Oh yeah, I can see you. Like, I know what you're doing. Like I, you're taking a picture of them. They're like, why are you taking a picture of me? If you did that to somebody wearing the, the meta, the meta quest, they probably wouldn't notice for the most part. Totally. Um, so, I mean, it, it's nice that they are able to be involved with you and you can kind of still be involved with them while they're wearing it. But yeah, it's just not the best. That also I think is, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it's the same as the home button on the original iPhone. It's the same as the notch. It's the same as the stems on the AirPods. It's what makes the Vision Pro iconically that. And I would be surprised if they get rid of it because that's what people are like. That's what makes it look so cyberpunk and futuristic, right? It's like, what mm -hmm. the heck? You can see your eyes? And it's goofy, but it is what makes the Vision Pro the Vision Pro. Yeah. I also feel like what makes such a big difference that I don't think people have talked about too much is just face shape. Um, if you've got a, a particularly small head and the headset looks particularly big on your head, then that display also is going to look quite different. But vice versa is also true. Um, yeah. And just, I feel like face shape uh, plays way big of a role, uh, way uh, big of a role in how it actually looks um, because from pictures I've seen on some people, it does look really quite good and really quite convincing, almost better than it, it does uh, in some of Apple's promotional materials, um, particularly uh, some of their videos about it. I know that those are artificially rendered, but it goes to show yeah. that it can work. But on some people, it really does look so bad. And I think it looks particularly bad when it's compressing the face a lot because you can see uh, in the cheeks that the, the oh, cheeks yeah. are sort of being moved and it sort of it, it increases that uncanny valley aspect. So I think maybe it is just luck of the draw. Uh, if you don't have a Vision Pro like me, you know, maybe maybe I'll look good in it. Maybe I will just look horrifying in it. Uh, so I think it does, we'll see. It, it depends on your skin color too, unfortunately, right now, because lighter skin is more luminous yeah. and it also eye color. So since my eyes are quite blue, those actually make it through pretty well, but I've noticed people with darker eyes or darker skin, it's even more muted. So I'm like the best case scenario and it's still not very obvious. There's several, I mean, hardly exactly what you said. There's some that I've seen where like, like their eyeballs are on their forehead. Like you can yeah. tell that that's not <laughs> where their eyes are. And you're like, oh, hold on. Yeah. So what else is horrifying and also luck of the draw for some people is persona. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was going to ask. You I do not look good. And I did see someone comment saying, most people saying that they don't look good, don't actually realize that that's how they look in real life, which hurt. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was also a really good sick burn so like mm. i say i don't look good i say i don't look like that but then i looked at it even more and i'm like ah shit maybe i do look like that <laughs> so uh but like you know there are some people who definitely look like they normally do in their persona and there are some people where not even judging myself just judging others where i'm like that doesn't look like that person so um quinn you looked like stalin you said uh and then you did yeah. the update and so now what are your thoughts after the update yeah when you do the update it wipes your face scan out and i didn't notice this when i went through but there's a dialogue box that says like please rescan for improved like imaging or what it, it, it alludes to the fact that this is better and uh, i didn't even notice that i wasn't even aware of the feature i installed it right when i saw it and did the rescan because i'm like huh must have deleted it and then after i was like oh this looks a lot better is it still creepy? Yeah. Is it still uncanny? Sure. Do I think I look slightly more handsome in real life than my persona would suggest? Yes. Maybe that's, again, me thinking like Dan, <laughs> thinking I don't look like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it, it it is a lot better to the point where, you know, you kind of wonder, this is just the thing with software, right? And this is what makes me actually optimistic for the Vision Pro is this update i mean it's not live yet so 1.1 will probably come out in a few weeks but this is like less than a month after the headset ships one would presume that a lot of features and fixes will be coming very quickly to vision os i think we'll look back in a couple of years and be like remember when that's what we used to have to deal with or that's what we thought it was going to be mm -hmm. and that's what makes me excited even just looking at these stupid new creepy faces because they're so much better. And it's been what, like a few weeks. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree as an outsider, uh, Harley, what do you think of everybody's personas? <laughs> Uh, again, they vary. I mean, I think what it did for you, Dan, was it's like it made your features too small on your face. <laughs> like that's 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 kind of the mistake that the software was making. But you know that stuff can be tweaked over time. Um, and I agree with you, Quinn, that where this goes next um, is is way more interesting because I feel like the components are there, and that's why they haven't just given us um, an emojis because so it would almost be a bit of a cop out. Yeah. So I don't have a strong jaw, right? Okay, I get that. But in the Vision Pro Persona rendering, it just made me flat. Like, a, and someone said you look like a thumb, and I didn't. I wasn't even mad about that. It just it made me laugh. Like it's true. It just gave me no. Like I have some distinguishing facial features. There is some like some definition, just a little bit. It gave me none. So I'm really hoping because <clears throat> by the time you watch this, the video should be out. But Later today, we'll be posting a like side-by-side -side comparison of uh, you know what it looked like in 1.0 and what it looks like now. And I haven't done the scan. That's the last part I need to do for the video. I don't know if it's going to look any better, and I'm fingers crossed hoping that it does. Please give me something. Please, just anything. Please make me not look I like a thumb. It, I think it will. That's why I have a <laughs> I beard, don't know. by the way. Not everybody has Hartley's chin, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would kill for your jawline, uh, Hartley, but I just... Uh, <laughs> I think those days are beyond me. So I'm going to have to figure this out. Might need to not use Persona ever. I don't know how you, if you can. I don't think you can. Or you can. You can not yeah. turn your camera on and it just shows your, um, your whatever profile picture you have. Mm -hmm. So maybe yeah. that might be the play. Yeah. The other thing that's funny is, is I don't know if you've noticed, it's a lot better in 1.1. Um, they mostly grab the parts that are 
super animated, right? The parts that they scan. So there's like a mask line that goes around this uh, kind of goggle yeah. area and then another one that goes around your mouth. And everything else is, I think, just, you know, I don't even think it has anything to do with your head shape. It might, but it, it kind of just looks like they stick it and they're like, okay, this guy's got an oval head. Let's stick it on the yeah. oval head thing. And so you can see those mask lines. And uh, what made me laugh so much was I FaceTimed Stephen Hackett, a uh, podcaster of Relay FM, and he had been wearing the headset for like a couple <laughs> hours by the time he scanned his persona. And so yep. in his persona, he had this huge red line around his eyes, which is so funny. It, in my first video, I did it all like while on camera, while filming. And so I already had it on for like the 30 minutes and I had it pretty tight. So on my nose, I had two red lines. And in my first scan, I did rescan afterwards. I had two big red lines on my nose. And I'm just like, it even gave me the red marks. Like, but no definition. Couldn't it, even, it makes it more of a realistic experience. You know, that's the, that's the justification. It, it makes it really we, clear that you're definitely in a headset, doesn't it? I'd love yeah. for the oh. ability to edit my persona a little bit. Maybe I give myself that strong jawline yeah. I've always wanted. <laughs> yeah, a little, little reconstructive surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Why one not? complaint I do have with the persona that I thought would get better in 1.1 and it doesn't is, so I've got a mustache, as you can see, and I have a very small mouth. Um, it's not my favorite. I didn't choose it. But um, <laughs> it uses those downward firing cameras to look at your facial features. I thought initially it would be like some other tech that's out there where it just listens to the incoming you know audio feed and then based on the waveforms makes your mouth jitter no this looks at your facial expressions and emulates them so you can stick your tongue out you can lick your lips you can go like mm -hmm. that and it will emulate it even micro expressions it captures really well but not on me because my my mustache and I don't, it's not even a big mustache but it's big enough that it completely obscures my mouth and so and you can tell from this podcast, my mouth doesn't open that much when I talk. Um, my my persona, their mouth does not move when I'm speaking, unless it's like a really loud, you know, like an O-shaped word. And so it's very, especially uncanny, because mine doesn't even, it doesn't even move. I think you Sound can, emanates I, from the skin, you know? <laughs> I think you got to shave the mustache and try again. Yeah, well, first I need to lose 40 pounds, and then I can do that, but, you know. Well, I think with uh, I look like a thumb. So that's my problem. I need to <laughs> lose forty as well, or just get a big beard. That's what I'm gonna do. There you go. Um, I don't I actually can't do that. But one other thing that I've noticed is really bad with long hair. Um, so you know, a lot of the females that are reviewing it and testing it out, uh, I've noticed that it's basically like a. Um, you know, I used to play a lot of wrestling games back in the day. Uh, like when their paper hair, but like doesn't move on the long hair. Yeah, just like that's what it looks like. It just stays stationary, and it looks really weird. Yep, there I is. A, there was... It does improve a little bit with one one. I think. Like, okay. So I was wearing a jacket the first two times I did it. The first time it was just completely flat. Someone actually asked, "Do you have a chest hat?" And I'm like, "No, that's a, that's a shirt on a shirt that's all two D plain." The second time I did the scan, I had the collar kind of popped and it didn't look good, but there was actual, you could tell there was 3D depth to it. And then my beard did appear to have, it It still looked static and weird, but it did have more texture than it did the first time. So the good thing is this is all software, right? So in theory, yeah. over time, it can get better. Yeah. Will it? I, think that I don't know. There's also, it's also worth mentioning that I think there were some trade-offs that Apple made 
um, relatively late into the Vision Pro's development um, with regards to those downward firing cameras. Because mm -hmm. for the, a very long period of time, um, when we were getting the initial reports about Vision Pro, um, there was an additional camera um, that did point specifically uh, down to the chest and the legs. And it was rumored for a very, very long time that legs were also being captured and represented by these avatars. Mm. Um, and Apple ultimately removed it. I believe it was due to cost um, and due to a need to save space inside the device. Um, but it would not surprise me if given that they got quite far with that additional camera, if that was something that reappeared on a second generation. And ultimately, then you could get full body personas or perhaps at least if you're sitting down you could kind of zoom out a little and kind of see your legs i don't quite know how that would work with the way that yeah. they've kind of implemented it at the moment but this was clearly part of their original vision for a really really long time and i wonder if what you're detecting there quinn um is actually where apple has had to kind of make up for the absence of this camera in like the last yeah. year of development well can i postulate another potential compromise that comes from that because i didn't know that Dan, have you have you used it laying down, like in bed? Yeah. Okay. Have you done it with the lights off? No. I didn't okay. do it in so, bed. I did it laying on. We have like a couch over here. I did. I tried it there, but it wasn't like super well lit. But it was, you know, there was still light coming in. Yeah. So so my wife goes to bed pretty early. Um, so I'll either work on my laptop or watch a show or whatever in bed, and. Um, it's bright, obviously. So she has a hard time falling asleep. Sometimes I'll fall asleep on accident when I need to work still. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is great. I can use this in bed. And I can. Um, you put the headset on, I lay down, and even in complete darkness, it works well because it has those IR flood illuminators, right? So it's generating IR light to track your hand plate movement and placement. And while it doesn't work quite as far out as it would if you had natural light, it does a surprisingly good job. Like I can stick my hand out pretty far before it would disappear. However, when I'm laying down and I'm looking straight up, so my body is flat, I feel like the IR illuminators and the IR cameras, which are right here, don't see the plane, like the, the, the vertical plane that they shoot down on, like it's getting to like my mid chest or hips before it really sees my hands unless they're up. So, and on top of that, the bottom cameras, and so the bottom cameras are doing something. I think they may also be, you know, have an IR filter on them and look at light. If they're ever obscured, the headset freaks out. It will shut mm -hmm. off whatever you're doing. It goes to pass through, which when you're in a pitch black room, it's just a grainy mess. And it says, do not block the, the you know, the, the downward firing camera, something like that. And then it says, and please use in a well-lit room, which is a weird dialogue because it works not in a well-lit room, just fine. But I don't think it has the ability to see any hand movements that are kind of right here, which when I have, you know, my hands resting on my chest when I'm in bed, that's where they're most comfortable. So I'd have to stick my hand out. And then as soon as I would adjust the headset on my face, it just instantly airs out. And it's like, don't touch that. Don't move that. Because yeah. I think as, as soon as it loses that IR light, it's relying entirely on the gyroscope and you know accelerometer to do head tracking and that's why i think they pull you out of the head tracked environment or the environment into the real world is they're like we don't have the ability to keep this stuff static in virtual space and they don't want to freak you out by having your whole world like 
you know, glitch out of position or whatever. So it's very touchy about that. And I wonder if a down firing camera might help improve the angle a little bit because it's not great. That's one of my big complaints is in bed. It's just fine. I also don't think it's very comfortable to wear laying down. Like all that weight now that's like dragging down on your nose is now going to your eyes. <laughs> and you're like, you're like held down by like, it's like someone's trying to suffocate you in bed. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't mind it. I think you it's not, it's not the worst. It's, it's not okay. undoable, but it's like, it's weird. You're like, oh, I'm getting a lot of like pressure on my, now on my eyes and my forehead more than I am on my nose. You can tell it's not an expected behavior because so like with watching video content, the most impressive thing you can do from like a cinematic experience is, is they have these, you know, movie theater screens that are in each of the environments. So like on Mount hood, that's the one you've seen in the commercials where it like reflects off the water. And it does in real life. It's, it's mm -hmm. amazing. looks so cool. Um, you can do that in day and night. And then there's also a cinema mode where it takes you into this like movie theater with like lines on the floor and on the ceiling. And um, I find all of them actually, in my opinion, place the, screen a little bit too high i would prefer it to be a little lower i feel like i have to crane my head to see it but they're all fixed in space so you can't change your horizon level so if you're laying down those are not an option unless you're gonna you know put your head at 90 degrees relative to your to your uh, sternum which is probably not the best for your spine and so when you're laying down you have to just have content windowed and uh, you know you can put it up against the sky and it looks nice but because you have that limitation of how far out you can push content and how big you can make content you can't make it that you know 30 foot movie theater screen they advertise everywhere it's just like a, a very large tv and that's a bit of a bummer i hope that eventually maybe in a software update they'll let you like if you're laying down you know just let me pretend that i'm not laying down and i'm looking at something straight on um, yeah i'm surprised the crown you would think the crown would let you orient but it doesn't nope it's like you're not sitting we don't you're not doing that <laughs> so anyway um we are probably up against time but hartley yeah, pick, pick your favorite no 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 this has been a great episode in my opinion honestly um so much insight that's not from just me uh so <laughs> we're really happy to have you um, Hartley, pick one question that you absolutely wanted to ask that you didn't get to, and we'll we'll end on this. Yeah, so this question is quite important for uh, a lot of our listeners um, because I think it's fairly safe to say that the Vision Pro is ultimately a product for enthusiasts. And the vast majority of people in the US that would be interested in buying one have probably bought one. Um, and uh, that's maybe why sales are going to fall off a little bit in the US. But in the next regions where this device is going to launch, um, it's going to be a little bit different because uh, people in the UK and in Canada um, and in Europe after that that are going to be uh, interested in buying this headset are now going to have all of uh, the content from you guys and will have heard about it for months before they go into this process. Um, and indeed, for people like me, if I buy that headset, I'm not buying it for content creation. I'll be buying it with my own money out of curiosity. So would you recommend it? Um, Obviously, you'd have to be an enthusiast, but even for an enthusiast, that's quite a lot of money. So would you recommend it? Ooh. I don't know. Yes. For enthusiasts, yes. Just because it's such a cool experience. Um, but also, you could just try to find somebody that has one and try to use it and see from that. I feel like everyone should definitely try it. But if you end up trying it and end up like liking any aspect of it, 
I mean, it's just like the cost of two iPad Pros. If you've got one iPad Pro and you were thinking about updating in the future, just sell those two and buy one. And 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 honestly, like you'll probably use it just as much, maybe more than your iPad. I'll be quite honest. Um, and there are so much like so many other possibilities that you can do with it compared to an iPad. Um, that maybe you'll figure out something in the future that you really liked. I don't know. Um, but ultimately, my answer probably should be no. But I feel like if you ask me, Harley, and you're like, Dan, listen, I, I just scraped together 3500 Should I do it? I'd probably still tell you yes. <laughs> okay, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I think uh, that's a good question, is how heavily do you use your iPad or do you envision using your iPad? This is not a Mac replacement. It's not an iPhone replacement yet. Nope. Um, this is an iPad replacement. It can... You, you truly do not need an iPad if you have this thing. Um, so if you can envision spending $3,500 on a really cool iPad you'll use all the time, sure. The other thing I might suggest you consider is, did you buy the original iPhone in 2007? <laughs> I think it's very similar. That phone didn't have 3G. It didn't have MMS. It didn't have copy and paste. It was very rudimentary in its capabilities, but it was super cool. And the people that bought them loved them. Now, the people who waited for the 3G, they ended up with a much better phone. It could do all the things the original <laughs> iPhone couldn't. It was less expensive. It was more powerful. It did all the things. I think that is what, I think when the second generation headset comes out, it's going to make the this Vision Pro look incredibly old and crappy and dated. Um, and if it doesn't, then I'm even more bearish on the future of the product line because it's got to get a lot slimmer, a lot more powerful, and a lot more normal looking fast. Otherwise, it's going to be a hard sell. And so if you're willing to buy this with the knowledge that in a couple of years, you might have a $3,500 paperweight that you'd have no interest in using anymore because the new one's out and it's way better, that's half the price, then go for it. Otherwise, waiting's probably not a bad thing. But look at it as an investment because you keep that thing <laughs> and in like 20 years... That could be worth something because it's one of the first early adopters. How many people still have, you know, original iPhones in good condition? They could probably make their money back, if not a lot more. Uh, you know, obviously, if you keep it sealed, you're, you have that's way more trick. potential. Yeah, the, 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 the trick, yet. Yeah. So, okay, Harley, my recommendation to you and everyone else buy is two. listening. <laughs> buy two. Don't use one. And keep definitely. One for 20 years and then sell yeah, it on and <laughs> Exactly. Do not open it ever. And, uh, yeah, you might make some money for your kids or, you know, for your you old self. Even. You might break even. Yeah, exactly. With inflation, probably not, but, you know. Uh, Hartley, I have one question for you real quick before okay. we wrap up. I'm going to take back host responsibilities. Here we go. Uh, would, after everything you've heard, what are you the most excited about trying? Pick one thing. Mm. that you are the most excited about trying with this uh with this with this headset uh for me i think that this is this is probably the the least obvious thing but uh my biggest Good. frustration with using the ipad for productivity is just the display size um ultimately that's what it comes down to for me at this point with things like stage manager it's just the display is too small so if i have a sort of infinite 360 plane where i can place effectively just ipad apps I'm so interested to see if I can actually get any work done in that environment on a long-term basis. And also uh, where I'm sitting in front of my Mac all day, 
And then I find myself sort of drawn to my Mac in the evening. I'm really interested to see, does the Vision Pro provide me with a sort of refreshing uh, change of environment um, that it actually does make me feel a little bit less fatigued with uh, just digital stuff in general. I mean, we've already seen this from other people who's outlined it, but like it's not viable for long periods for sure, at least for me. Um, but the ability to place apps in specific, specific areas of your house and they stay there, when this becomes, you know, thinner, smaller, lighter, like all of that stuff, and you are wearing it for longer periods of time and you are comfortably walking around your house with it to where it, you know, it's safe and effective and you could do that. Being able to just store things around your house and then when you sit down in front of your TV, maybe you got a few apps that you like to have in front of your TV or when you're at the, you know, when you're in the kitchen, you got your cook, like all that stuff, being able to just keep them there and have them right. Like that's the stuff that excites me about it uh, for the future. So I kind of understand what you mean with like, just having that 360 infinite like area to put stuff in and it's actually way more than than what you're thinking it's it's your entire surroundings you can put them wherever you want um it's just how often are you gonna be wearing that thing all day walking around your house i i don't want to do that but some people do on that note you know so everyone's like oh the biggest you know the selling point of this thing is that you can you know stream your mac to it um, I've actually found that one of the less compelling reasons to get one. You mentioning wanting to maybe do iPad style work is very um, relatable to me because my email client is Spark. I don't know if you've used Spark. A few years ago, they went and did like this whole redo version. It sucks on the desktop. It's so bad. But the iPad app is awesome. So I've been in my Vision Pro with my Mac app sometimes and then the iPad version of my email client on the side. And it's like my dream come true because it is nice. so seamless and it works so well. And then I found that as the iPad gets more powerful, iPad apps are not as compromised as their desktop counterparts. So I scripted my entire video yesterday wearing the Vision Pro. I had my notes app in front of me that runs on the Mac, but the iPad version is great. I had mobile Safari on the side, which is just as good, frankly, almost as it is on the Mac. And then I had my email client and messages and I didn't need my Mac at all. And that's never been the case with my iPad. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe this could work. So yeah, get excited. I, you're going to love it. Does, it makes me excited. When you're at your desk though, it's crucial. Turn up that environment, be somewhere else. Because one, having another display in front of you is a little weird to like, you know, you kind of want to put it in that display, but it's just strange. So like, you know, I have a display here. I get into another environment. I load things up, threw a little Creed on yesterday, like if I was back in 1999. <laughs> and I honestly, like I was like tapping around. I was, bought, I was doing stuff. I'm like, this is great. And then uh, about an hour came in and I'm like, my head hurts. So then I took it off. But um, yeah, it's 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 truly amazing and also sometimes very frustrating that's the best way i can i can put it out there for people um but yeah i mean everybody knows where to find you quinn but you know if you got anything that you want to hype up uh you know by all means now's your time uh not really yeah just find me on youtube we have some sweet merch launching soon but i can't show you Let's it's go. on my desk right now i just looked at it it looks so good but by the way, did you wear that hat for me? And is that a Cleveland Guardians hat? <laughs> it's not, but you can. Oh, what is it? it That's exactly like. it's exactly the same logo. Someone's in trouble really? with branding. Oh it's yeah. It's a Cleveland Guardians hat. 
Uh, we have a block. No, we have a block a, C logo. Just I like, like it that. better than what it really is. It was. Uh, I got this hat from a sponsor. Cuts. They make like clothing. Uh, Cuts yeah, is going to so be in trouble. A, <laughs> this is a Cuts hat. So sick I, Cleveland on them. Yeah. Well, that's okay. <laughs> hey, if Cuts wants to send me their hat, and sh- I actually have been looking at some of their clothes that are pretty uh, expensive but look nice. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll gladly say that it's not Cleveland so that they don't get in trouble. Uh, but yeah, it looks a lot like it's a, a nice uh, block C baseball team here. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, cool. That's it for this week's episode. If you have more questions or anything, you know, we'll try to answer some more. But also, should probably move off Vision Pro at some point here uh, because yeah. it's been taking up a lot. But um, yeah, thank you so much, Quinn, for joining us, and uh, we'll catch everybody Thanks, in the next guys. episode. See ya. If you own a vehicle with less than two hundred thousand miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 